Before we jump into the sermon for today, I want to let you know what's going to be starting next week. We're going to be starting a new series in our church called The Story of God. And we're going to be going from Genesis through to Revelation in 10 weeks. So uh, uh, that's a big undertaking. But what we want to be able to do is paint a picture for you how the Bible is one story with many chapters. You know, it's easy to look at the Bible and think that, oh, that's an interesting story, or there's a good truth or proverb, and not really see how God has woven the Bible together to tell one story throughout its pages. And so we, um, we've been working hard putting together this series, and it's going to be starting next week. Now, this is going to be a great series. I think all of them are. But particularly, this is going to be a great series to invite people who have not heard much about Christianity. They're going to be very interested to hear what the Bible teaches and how it all fits together into a kind of a holistic unit. So the story of God beginning next week. One thing that you should know about that is that we are going to be, because it's, we're going to be going through the Bible, we thought it would be a great idea if we had a home reading plan to go along with the sermon series. So what's going to happen is you'll hear a sermon, and then you'll be getting an email where there will be Bible passages and questions for the next seven days based on what we just were taught the week before. So it'll be fun. We can use this in our D groups, but it'll be fun to go together as a church and go through the Bible from, I mean, not every chapter, but from Genesis through to Revelation, reading the Bible together at home. I think this is going to be a really powerful time for our church. We really sensed that God was saying that one of the priorities for this year was to increase our love for the Bible and our desire to get into His Word. So uh, the teaching team has been very excited to put that together for you. Now, uh, if you have ever been to our home, there's something that you, you will already know to be true, but that my wife is a great storyteller. And, uh, and there's a set of stories that my children have heard once or twice, or a thousand times, we're not sure, somewhere in between there. And so, uh, so we'll have some you know, fresh meat over that have never heard the stories, and, uh, and, and she goes, this reminds me. And then she'll tell a story. And you'll watch our kids all in unison. They roll their eyes, and then they look, they wait for the story. They, and then if she misses parts, they fill it in. And, uh, and what's true about our home, and it may be true about your home, that every family has some stories. And you collect them over the years. And even when we're alone, we'll say, oh, remember the time. And then we all laugh. And every family has some stories. And uh, this church is built on a, at least part of it, is built on a personal story of mine. And I've told it before. And you can all roll your eyes and hopefully look a little bit interested. Um, it started, I would say, it was close to 25 years ago. There was a church in Toronto called the Airport Vineyard. And during this time, there was a dynamic spiritual revival 
And the epicenter of that was at this vineyard church near the airport in Toronto. People came from all over the world to this revival that was going on. And it was called the Laughing Revival. Now, I had gone, I think it was two or three times. And, I mean, it was weird. There would be thousands of people there, thousands. And people are hysterically laughing, just hysterically. Uh, some people are barking. A little weird. Some people are roaring. My friend was roaring like a lion. Hadn't seen him for a while. It was an awkward <laughs> introduction. But anyways, there was some weird stuff that was going on. But uh, in spite of the weirdness, clearly the presence of God was in that place. And from there, uh, nations were touched all around the world. So Debbie and I go to this, and we're sitting closer to the back. And it's amazing. The presence of God is tangible. And uh, the worship, of course, is just spectacular. And uh, God speaks to me. And I, I don't like to say that a lot, but this was true. Uh, God speaks to me, and he says, um, I'm going to do something more in your church than what you see here. I thought, wow. Uh, you know, more laughing, more barking. I don't know if, you know, like, okay, I'm not sure I... So I spend the rest of the, uh, it was a week there, and so I spend the rest of my time going, I wonder what the more is. What do you mean by more? And during this time, uh, Glenn and Kara Elson had organized a, a course called Perspectives, and it was on, on world missions. It was a fantastic course. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm going, what's the more? And God speaks to me a second time and says, I am going to do a people movement in your church. Now, I know because I took this course, I know exactly what he was talking about. That uh, the easily the most dynamic and uh, fruitful move of the Spirit through the ages is, when, is not when there's one kind of dynamic person who's leading a whole bunch of people. It's when the Spirit of God moves through a community to advance his kingdom. And so uh, back then in this, in, in this, you know, at this airport vineyard, there was always a dude up front and really cool stuff going on. And it felt like the farther you got away from the dude, you went back home, things kind of faded. And it's been my dream for a, a, a quarter of a century to believe that the Spirit of God wouldn't just be about one person at the front of a room, but that God's Spirit would be inside of each person, and each person would be commissioned by the Holy Spirit to go and spread His good news. And this would be an unstoppable people movement of the gospel being spread through the city and through the nations. And that vision has captured and defined my life. And so when we look at our vision for 2018, as you heard me say in September, it was the vision that we had in 2017, which just so happened to be also the vision that we had in 2016, 
in 2015 and 14. Like, we've never had a new vision. We've had one thing that we believe that God has called us to do, and it's, uh, it'll probably be up on the screen in a minute, but it's also here. Multiplying disciples who love God, one another, and the world. That we would be a people that would not hoard the good news of the gospel. That we would be, can I say, so arrogant as to believe that God would use people, normal people like you and I, to advance his love in his power throughout the city. Now, uh, if you do the math, we haven't quite reached Vancouver. Have you noticed that? Just a, just a few people missing here today. <laughs> just a couple. Uh, I can't do anything else than believe that this is who God has called us to be because it's the great commandment and the great commission. And this is the church. And I pray for ENV. I pray for every church in this city that we would take up the call to be part of a people movement, that we would believe that God has given us the grace to reach the lost by the power of his spirit. That's our purpose. I'm going to go through this first bit. We did it in September, so I'm not going to take a lot of time, but then we're going to pause at the end. So what is our path? We redrew it because it's fun. If you can't change the purpose, at least you have to redraw. Whoops, that's not it. That is so disappointing. Uh, it's our old drawing, but it's still a nice drawing. Do you see? Help me. Did I give you something wrong? I think it's my fault. Where we, uh, we engage the lost, we establish disciples, and we empower leaders. That God has given us a simple way, just a simple way, to be able to help others know about who God is. That's our path. We then have a, a plan, and uh, I have a feeling, don't even bother showing that one. Did I give you the wrong one? Oh, that's disappointing. Cool. I cut and paste the wrong file. Don't you hate that? It was 2017 instead of 2018. I hate that. So you can put up just a blank slide and, uh, and follow me. That's our path. We call it the three E's, and it's what we do. It's what we do here. Our leadership structure looks really simple. We have church, which is us gathered all together. Then church is divided up into communities, which are kind of the pastoral hubs of our church. If you want to be loved and cared for, if you want to be part of spiritual family, you join a community. And inside of those communities, we have this thing called L. DGs, leadership D groups. And those, uh, the leaders of that community get together, study the Bible, do leadership development. Are we happy? Look at that. I am so happy inside. You have no idea. Then we have leadership D groups, bi weekly coaching for leadership and spiritual development. D group leaders or potential leaders meet their community leader to pray, study the Bible, and grow their own DGs. And out of that, we have D groups, bi-weekly meetings for people to find and follow Jesus. D groups are a safe place for people to build relationships, wrestle with God's truth, and grow in trust. And so that's what our church looks like. 
It's not super complicated. I hope it's simple for you. Now, here's the problem with our plans, with our path, in that if you were just to take this alone, in themselves, they're impersonal. It would be kind of like herding people through a process to spit them out the other side to look like everybody else. Something needs to be added to a plan and to a path for it to become alive. In 1 Timothy 1.14 talks about three elements that I would like to address today that I think um, invigorate and animate these plans and purposes. In 1 Timothy 1.14, it says, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. This is Paul speaking. Along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. For these plans to become more than just human ideas and structures, we need three things. We need love and faith and grace. Let's go first through. We're going to go through the first two quite quickly and then pause particularly on the last one. The first is that we need love. Now, what's interesting to me is that sometimes what we do is we contrast love and planning. And I believe we talked last year in our series on tensions that uh, what's, if you're going to go on a date, what's more meaningful? A date that was just kind of thrown together or a date that had some, some planning and thought that went into it? When we decide to love people, we would like to put some thought into that. And so what our plans are is simply thoughtful love. And so if you see structures and if you see um, uh, uh, plans, you can go, oh, I know what's going on here. You're just trying to get us all through your system. I get this. Then you don't understand it at all. What we're trying to do as a community, is thoughtfully love people. And we've been thinking about those little drawings for decades, trying to think of the best possible way to show people the love of the Father. And so if you see structures, then you don't know what's going on in this church. What's going on in this church is us desperately trying to think through and pray through how can we practically express the love of God. Second thing that we need is faith. In James 2.26, people quote this all the time, that faith without works is dead. That the plans that we have are designed to express faith. There used to be an old story that was told. If you've been a Christian for uh, 20 or 30 years, you all know this story. And uh, it was the story of a, of a guy, I think his name was Dan Blow or something. I haven't, it's been decades since I've heard this story. And what he did is he went across Niagara Falls on a tightrope uh, carrying a wheelbarrow. And uh, this was all the big news. And so he would say to the people, do you believe that uh, I can go across Niagara Falls in a wheelbarrow? Uh, I mean, pushing a wheelbarrow. They go, oh yeah, it's amazing. Do you believe that I could carry a person in that wheelbarrow going across Niagara Falls. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you believe that I could carry you going across? Oh, no. No, I don't. I don't know. It's okay. I really enjoyed the theory. I don't want the reality. 
what plans do is they give us an opportunity to practically express our faith. So, I would, uh, I would like to give you an invitation. In Mark 11, 24, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. I would like to today... invite you to believe in something for this year. Would you believe with me that each one of us here would draw one person to Christ this year? Would you believe for one person through you this year to find and follow Jesus and be added to this community. Let me read it again. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Uh, I told you a story of longing for a people movement for decades. And I'm trying to be a patient man. But what if this year would be a year where we would see a community deciding to believe that together? Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I hate something concrete. I would much rather have an abstract faith, have a theoretical faith. I have not a lot of problems believing that I'm going to go to heaven. It's so far away. Sure. But would you believe that this year, one of your friends would come to know Christ and follow him? Now, which is harder to do? Be raised to eternal life. <laughs> or that a friend would come along with you. Can we as a community, I mean, I am so bad at hype. I'm not even going to try. But can we as a community believe that together? The thing, uh, we've been praying for this, uh, and the thing that has, that, has been, that has struck me is in Acts 2, uh, 47, it says that uh, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now, I think that's God's will. To pray that the lost would be found and come into a living relationship with God I'm pretty sure that's his will, because we know in Scripture that he desires that none would perish. Could we believe that together and agree in faith that God would inject our love with his power and see people saved? So I'm inviting us as a community to believe 
for one person to come to Christ. In the last number of years, and to be added here, for the past number of years, the people who I have led to Christ don't come here. Super frustrating. Because I want them to be part of our family. So they might come for a bit, or they live somewhere else. It's really discouraging. I mean, I'm happy for them. But I'd love, I'd love for it to be complete and to, and to be here. I, uh, I have a personal uh, aversion to talking about numbers. I don't enjoy it. I feel awkward about it um, because I think that it, it's uh, somehow dehumanizing. And so if ever you've heard me give a vision speech, I've never talked about numbers. I might have talked about what has happened, but I never project that forward because I find it to be presumptuous and uh, I have never been motivated. That's unfair. I am sometimes. I try not to be motivated by how many people are here because I don't want my ego to be defined by the size of this church. I think that's repulsive. That a, that a leader would, would build their leadership on their ego. I just think that that's sinful. And for pastors, the primary ego booster is the number of people in the congregation on a Sunday. That's primarily what pastors are thinking about and not saying out loud. So I don't like talking about it. But I'm going to tell you what I'm, I'm praying for uh, this year. I'm praying in, uh, in church growth literature, the primary growth barrier that people have to uh, pass uh, for their church to continue to grow. It's called the 250 barrier. And it's, it's just well established if you read anything about, about church growth. Cresting into 250 people is the hardest part of church growth. Once you crest that, it, uh, it gets easier. But to get past 250 people, that's the big hurdle. And so I read all these books, and everything that they're saying to do, we're doing. So that's nice. But here's how I'm praying it would happen. I'm praying that it would happen not because we got more slick on a Sunday, but because the people of God rose up in faith and believed that they could be a minister of the gospel. And I have been waiting years and years, unwilling to see this church grow any other way. I'm just not interested in it. I'm not interested in hiring talent and, and, and insulting you by putting on a show so that you'll stay here. I think that's insulting to you. It's, a, it's disrespecting your faith. And I don't want to be that kind of church. I want us to be the kind of people that this would grow, not because we figured out something slick, but because the people of God believe in the presence of God to transform not just their own lives, but the lives of those around them. And so I think for the first time in the history of our church, I am praying for numeric growth. Because it took me this long 
to get to a place where that's about love and faith and not about my ego. And I am praying that those orphans that the Father loves would be drawn into this family. They are not numbers, they are people who need a family and who need a heavenly Father. And I am praying that more orphans would come home this year. And I am humbly asking if you would join with me in praying for that this year. If it's sincere, can you say amen to that? Amen. Now, if you're like me, all of your fear and insecurities just bubbled up right now. You go, oh dear God, what did I just say? I... Let's come to communities, D groups, and work that through together. And no one in this room will fail if you said yes. Because at the end of the day, only Jesus can convert souls. We can't. But we can be obedient. And nobody must stop us from obedience. We can do that. The fruit is in the Father's hands. Obedience is us saying yes to that. I have one final point. And uh, it's something that I don't know that we've talked about before. Jonathan spoke at, uh, at UBC Chapel, where probably nearly a, a thousand students came out at UBC to agree together in prayer and faith to reach their campus. It was powerful, powerful. And he spoke on Gideon. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you, you will know the story of Gideon. It's from the book of Judges, Judges 6. And it's about a fearful... Uh, man in a, a ignored tribe of Israel who God chooses and calls him a valiant warrior while he's still hiding. Uh, and uh, he calls him into battle to be one who would save his people. Now, as the story goes, it's really, it's hard for God to convince Gideon to do any of these things. Um, but there's one thing that he does that I would like to focus on today that I, th I think is valuable. I'll try to do it as quickly as possible, but I really want to tell you this, so please just stick with me a little bit longer. Um, what God tells Gideon to do is to uh, destroy the altar to Baal, which is a false god, and uh, to tear down an Asherah pole, which is also uh, idolatry. And it just so happens that his father had built these things. And uh, it also so happens that the enemies that Israel is trying to defeat were the ones who actually brought this God, this Baal worship, into Israel. And so what God is saying, if I'm going to defeat your enemies, if I, and the way that we defeat our enemies is through loving them with the gospel, but if I'm going to defeat your enemies, then you need to, first of all, defeat their God. And the primary, because they have, that God has power. So you defeat the God, and then you can 
sweep over the enemies. But the way that you defeat that God is by, first of all, pulling that down here. Now, here's what I think. I think that many of you here have been working really hard for many years telling other people about Jesus with very little fruit to show for it. And I want to tell you two things. Number one, your father is proud of you. Well done. Well done. That you would persevere through a time such as this. Well done. And number two, what if the reason why you and I are struggling is not because we don't have a good path or a good plan. It's not because we aren't loving. It's not even because we don't have faith. It's because there's a demonic power over our city that's stealing away the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a verse in Matthew that talks about this kind of thing. It says in Matthew 12, 29, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? This is an allusion to, you know, how can you rob somebody's house if there's a big dude carrying a gun there? It's not going to work. How can you and I bring the love of God into this home called Vancouver when there's demonic powers committed to stealing away the sons and daughters that are rightly belong in the kingdom of heaven? Now, if you're anything like me, what I typically do is if I don't see fruit in my life, my first assumption is it's my fault. If I would pray more, if I would believe more, if I would take Kingdom Life Ministry School yet again, if I, like, if I would just be better, and if they were better non-Christians, more humble and open to stuff, you know, if you do better and I do better, we could make it work. You know, do we have a deal? Like, I'm, I, for sure I'm thinking human. It's like your fault or mine, which one is it? And I think there's an elephant in the room that we've ignored. And it's demonic powers. Stealing away not just our confidence, but other people's desire to trust in a good and loving God. And instead of blaming ourselves and instead of blaming lost people, why don't we direct our energy to what the Bible tells us to direct our energy towards, which is not flesh and blood, but demonic powers, idols, spiritual forces that are committed to not just making us impotent, but steal away souls from their heavenly destiny. So how do we do this? This is how we'll end. I think there's three things that we need to do. The first, I think, is pretty obvious. We need to pray. And we don't so much pray for our courage, although you can pray for that. 
we don't even so much pray for their willing hearts, although we pray for that. We pray that the strong man will be bound over this city, that we would have open skies for the presence of God to come and bring conversions, be added to our number, that people would be saved. Let's stop blaming and pray. Number two, personal repentance. Those that Baal, Altar, and Ashrapol belong to Gideon's dad. And he had to say, I'm no longer going to be under that strong man. I'm not going to be under that strong man. And I think the strong man that is over this nation and over Vancouver for sure is the God of self. We've preached it for years, and it's still true. And as we repent over being our own gods, doing things our way, on our terms, and nobody tells me what to do, as we repent of our pride and arrogance, we are now uh, weakening the strong man's power. And I think the last thing, and this is what we'll end on, the last thing I think that will defeat that strong man. I have verses for all this. You should have seen it. It was amazing. I have verses for all this stuff. Um, is uh, courageous conversations. <clears throat> There's something about living in the lower mainland that is uh, disgustingly polite. And you know why? I mean... This has happened to me so many times. Uh, people tell me all the time, I, I'm, I'm glad that it's working for you. Has anybody ever said that to you? I'm glad it's working for you. Oh, I hate it when they say that. It's so patronizing. Um, do you know what they're really saying? I worship the God of self, and you're bumping up against it now. Stop it. You go do your thing, but I worship me. And we bow down to the God of self every time we shrink away from a moment that would challenge that God. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just thinking that it might be helpful. And it's not the person is the demonic forces behind that person that is pushing against you infringing on their territory. To believe, for one, I'm inviting you to do three things. To pray, to ask God to examine your heart as you worship the God of self, and number three, that this year would be marked by you and I having courageous conversations with our brothers and sisters who are alienated from the family. Uh, Pastor Matt invited you to a, a, a D group workshop. We're going to unpack courageous conversations, how to do that in that workshop. And I think it's going to be very helpful for you. Could we please stand together?
Father, I, am, I just feel so sick and tired of ignoring the strong man that has been over this city. I blamed myself, I blamed others for far too long. And I think the enemy has laughed as we bought in to his distractions. And I pray that we would unite as a community and pray against darkness. Repent of our alignment with that darkness and be willing to push through that darkness to bring a courageous message of love. Father, I pray that you would settle in our hearts in 2018 to no longer accept the status quo, to believe that simple barriers of growth can be overcome, not through slick worship, but through the people of God believing in the power and presence of their Father. I pray that our testimony would not be that we figured out something clever, but that we all submitted to the will of God and obeyed His Word. Father, would you please let the testimony of this church be a faithful people who were weak and needy, but served a great God. Would you please settle in our hearts today what 2018 will be about. We will no longer ignore the spiritual reality that we're in or the lostness of our friends. And I thank you that as we take up this call, this will actually be the answer to our longing to draw close to you, to know your love, to belong, and to be safe. Because as we're on mission with you, it's the place that we find you. And you are our greatest reward. And so for the love of you, for the desire of being close to you, I pray that you would give us the grace to say yes to this call. Let's worship him in song. If you would like to let communion be a demonstration of you saying yes to this, you're very welcome to join.